that was a close shave. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode Ooh. of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose. Hey, you're listening to a podcast about the 80s. Am and, I? Uh, you couldn't tell by them awesome laser blasts. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best in production value for our listeners. You know what we should do? What? We should market shoes like the, the kinds that little toddlers wear that squeak. Uh-huh. But every step is a laser blast. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, but they could also be the ones that light up when the kids walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure. also shoot actual lasers. And they could just have our our name on them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I see no problems. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of um, grand ideas we've been cooking up while we've been quality, quarantined. Quality material. <laughs> um, this week, Weekly Finds. Let's get to it. Oh. I, um, I had mentioned that I had some stuff that I was going to share last week and I decided not to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push it off another week because... You're rationing it out. I am, very much so. But I had a very pleasant surprise. What? Which was described as a COVID-19 care package. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, our, our buddy Greg over at Neon Brainiacs, mm-hmm. go listen to them because they're hilarious. They mm-hmm. also cover the 80s, but uh, specifically 80s horror So good. They are uh, totally awesome. And Greg and I are both tape collectors, and we've traded many, many times. And out of nowhere, I went to go check the mail, and there was this big box. And I knew his address Mm -hmm. right away, because he's in Pennsylvania. And I thought, wait, what? And so I got very excited, because there's not a lot of uh, excitement during the day Mm -hmm. with being trapped indoors. And I got home, and I from, from walking around the street to the post office, and I opened it up. And inside was a care package that he had surprised me with. That's rad. And he knows me very well. So what he had stuffed in there was a VHS video collection of Prince music videos. Yes. And let's just underscore how thrilled you were. You came up to me like a small child showing me your loot. It was was very exciting for you. like collector out there that does trades knows that when you get a surprise care package from another collector even if it's one thing it's just fun it's the thought that counts you should start a train well it just happens all the time anyway i send stuff to people all the time too well aren't you a gentleman i am and a scholar (laughs) which you'll find out in this episode so anyway he sent me some prince videos uh tales from the hood which i don't have because i had traded off to our friend josh Mm -hmm. also a listener of neon brainiacs and so I was happy to get that back. He also sent uh, Weird Al music videos. Mm-hmm. Necessary. <laughs> Which, plug, go back and listen to our Weird Al episode. We should watch those with the girls. We should. They would really enjoy mm-hmm. them. And then a couple cassette tapes. He sent me Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me by The Cure, my favorite band of all time. Mm-hmm. And he also sent me, which I was the most excited about, what a cassette by the band Pummeled, which is his band and Ben, the two of them that co-host Neon Brainiacs, yeah. have a band. And he sent me one of their cassettes, and I really, really like it. It's very good. Yeah. So that made my day. So I thank you, Greg. I haven't heard it, so you'll have to yeah, share I'll it with me. Yeah, I'll play it for you for sure. You'll like it. So thanks, Greg. That was awesome. Since we can't do thrift store finds, that was definitely way cooler. Yes. So that was that was my um, chime in for the week. Good job. Thanks. Top that. I will. Okay. I absolutely will top that. Oh, let's hear it. Because last week you had it was a, a feather. feather. Yes. So. This week I went for the big guns. Okay. I'm going to claim a secondhand animal. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Uh, so, uh, okay. Okay. So obviously um, with everything that's going on in the world right now with a uh, virus that is trapping us all in our homes... People have been dropping off animals because they cannot support them because they don't have jobs and they're fearful. So uh, you and I decided to foster a dog. Yes. You agreed because you are kind and loving and supportive of my crazy dog obsession. Sure. Why not? Yep. And we, (laughs) we got this dog and the lady brought him to me. He'd come from some crazy rescue elsewhere and... He was frozen with fear, and I brought him home. He was covered in ticks, totally gross. Cleaned him up, and turns out he's a little gem, and... He was a diamond in the rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's for all you Aladdin fans out there. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So his name is Philip, and we decided we couldn't part with him. So we adopted Philip, and he was somebody else's. So he's my secondhand find. Well, nice of you to claim that, but I'll give it to you. Yeah. For uh, creativity, you get a 10 out of 10. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. There you guys go. <laughs> yes, we're still keeping the thrift store segment alive every week. Because <laughs> every week I'm like, maybe this will be the one and it's not. We've got at least 20 more days in quarantine and I suspect longer. That's right. Well, just you guys are in for the long haul. Woo. Okay, well... This week, let's get to it. We are both extremely excited about this one. This was um, bonkers. This has been described by many as possibly the worst sci-fi film in history. I beg to differ. I strongly beg to differ. I thought this was actually a pretty good film. (laughs) (laughs) It's very rewatchable. It's rewarding. It's very rewarding. Because you'll feel like a detective as you catch errors. Yes. We are going to be talking about 1988's Space Mutiny, an AIP production. Yep. So you know you're in for the big, big kahuna. What? That's what it's called, right? No. What is it called? I don't know. It's called a big kahuna. (laughs) I told you I'm a scholar. I'm telling you worldly terms right now. That's from Hawaii. (laughs) Okay. Uh, once again, I this is uh, I, at least once before this has happened on Laser Graves. <laughs> I, I'm assuming a couple more times. This was probably one of the most popular episodes ever of Guess Which TV Show. What? Mystery Science Theater. Oh, duh. Yes. I, was like, I huh? did not once again know that. Oh, dear. It yeah. happened. It makes perfect sense. Of course Obviously. it is. It happened to us once before, at least, with Zombie Nightmare. I can see why they go to AIP time and time again, because that's what we do. Because AIP rules, and it'll never get old. It's a good source. It is. So, Space Mutiny, 1988. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. Because we kind of have already talked about, but this is way, way back, and we have uh, many other listeners now, episode four, when we did Killer Workout, Yep. which shout out to the Bad Taste Video Podcast, Mm -hmm. our boys over there just did it last week, go check it out, they just did Killer Workout. Do you feel like we blew our load a little too early there? By for doing sure. I thought that with a few. In. When I go back and I look at our early episodes, like Monster Dog and everything, I'm like, we didn't know what we were doing. We should have waited because <laughs> those were great ones that mm. we just tackled way too soon. We were scared little babies. Whatever. What I wanted to mention was AIP was co-founded by David A. Pryor, as we know. Um, another guy named Peter Yuval. And then the third and the big one was a guy named David Winters, who... Alex Winters' brother. Well, no. Why we know David Winters and why I'm mentioning our Killer Workout episode is in that we had mentioned David Winters was the one that came up with the concept for Killer Workout. Oh, okay. Pitched it to David A. Pryor. And then one week later, shock, David A. Pryor delivered the script of Killer Workout. But it was David Winters' idea to do the aerobics slasher genre. That's so specific. Good job, bud. Very good job, bud. But why I'm excited is David Winter is one of the co-founders of AIP, although we've done several AIP um, movies on this podcast. Yes. This is the first one directed by him. Yes. So we get to see the other half of AIP, even though it was a third, but really the two of them directed. Although it is not that easy. And like I told you, not only am I a gentleman, I am a scholar. And oh I'm my about goodness. To... How many times are you going to say that? That's the second time. That's the third Actually, I would like to give you some scholarly advice, Ugh. and it's called mathematics. Oh, I've done my math. Yeah, that was the second time I had mentioned it. You also mentioned that you were a scholar another time. Whatevs. Okay, Bye. well, we'll see. Don't you edit out the third scholar. <laughs> well, the world will never know. Ugh. So why I think this is interesting is that David Winters is credited with directing it. Did he? <laughs> Kind of. What did it? What? It's up for debate. Okay, so David Winters wrote it. Wait, please, please tell me he died and they just brought his body to set. No, he didn't die until last year. Oh, 
I mean, good that he had a longer life, but... Right. Okay. Did you catch who wrote it? No. It was written by a woman. Maria uh, Dante. Oh, yes, but it's pronounced Mariah. Yeah, except it's actually pronounced David Winters because it's just a false name. What? <laughs> what a weirdo. That's how you get women in cinema back in the 80s. <laughs> just, you just are men and give female names oh my goodness. for movies you don't want to attach your name to. So Interesting. David Winters started to direct it. He wrote it. Uh-huh. And then uh, as the story goes, mm-hmm. there's some tall tales behind this film. Oh, all right. He had a family emergency or something came up and he had to pass it off to his assistant director. Emergency appendectomy. Who was a guy named Neil uh, Sundstrom. He took it over. But there's kind of multiple stories that say Neil is the one that directed the entire film. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of the cast and crew said, no, David definitely shot most of the film. However, when Neil got the film... He said, this is such a mess of a script. I don't want to have my name associated with it. And so he had his name removed and put it to like co-directing or assistant directing. Didn't even want it associated. Oh. Then when David saw the final product said, I don't want my name associated oh, with it no. either. So they just threw all everybody, of the actors? Yes. Everybody tried to abandon the project. And he tried to use a false name, but because of contract, they wouldn't let him use a false name. So David Winters is the official director of this oh, movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And I'll have one more fun fact about that up my sleeve, but I'm going to hold on to it. Why are you teasing? Because that's what I do. Rude. I'm a scholar. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Okay, well, are you ready to Let's blast dive off. Into this? Yeah, so this starts <laughs> this starts 13 generations into a 10-light-year journey. Yes. On a spacecraft called the Southern Sun. Now, I thought to myself, what does that mean? What is 13 generations into a 10-light-year journey? So, obviously, I'm a mathematician. You are. Mm-hmm. So, if you are on a spacecraft traveling at Five miles per second. Should we put in some cool, like, um, space fact music behind it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know why I'm offering to do this, but here it goes. Do it. Start over. Okay, so say you're traveling in a spacecraft (laughs) known as the Southern Sun at five miles a second. Ooh, that's fast. In your 13 generations into a 10 light year journey. Mm -hmm. So five miles a second means that you're going to travel... 37,200 years to go a single light year. Okay. So if you're in a a 10 light year journey, your journey is going to take 372,000 years. (laughs) Okay. And let's, we're hoping that at this point in time that maybe they have a slightly longer average life expectancy. So I bumped it up to 80. Uh Uh-huh. And that means 4,651 generations. And they're still and they're only <laughs> wearing thir- leotards. They're only 13 <laughs> generations in. Uh, into 4,651. And if you want to check my math, uh, you're weird. I this is for sure correct. We'll say that's the most I've ever heard you talk about math in our entire relationship. Okay. This opens with some really bitchin' title graphics. They're like pixelated computer graphics. What <laughs> is even is happening so cool, here? And it's super triumphant music. Uh-huh. I love it. So we have, a, I think it's a bunch of ships coming in to dock at the Southern Sun. How good are those space effects for this budget? It, it did. I don't know what their budget was, but... It looks pretty fancy. Yeah. For 1988. On the back of the box, it says something like uh, from the creator creators of the special effects that did Star Wars or something like that. Is this B-roll? <laughs> it's, it's worse than that. What? Could it be called S-roll for stealing? <gasps> what? All of it's Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, what? not joking. How did they manage that? I don't know if they even asked. They just took it. 
and nobody cared because they're like this movie sucks so bad (laughs) it is all battlestar galactica space footage weird yes and that explains why the highest production of this whole film are the space scenes it's extreme uh night and day from the space scenes to everything else that happens yeah (laughs) so there are a bunch of ships coming to dock um at this southern sun base space station that is 13 generations into its 10 light year journey yes one spaceship successfully docks and it is <laughs> Boy, does it. a bunch of female balerians yes and we'll, we'll get to them later yeah balerians with a b not valerians like we thought for the whole movie yeah we thought it was like the the tea that we drink when yes. we're tired we're and if you need help remembering a balerian is b for babe because the balerians are space babes oh yeah that's actually all they are but whatever (laughs) oh no there's so much more okay (laughs) so we also we keep flashing from these ridiculous space scenes to like the bridge where there's a woman who is who has enormous like that 80s curly poodle do that only existed in the 80s it's huge hair Huge, and the curls are, it's like a special kind of perm. (laughs) Very special kind of perm. It's a power perm. Yeah, it is. But most of the women in this entire film are wearing one-piece spandex, like swimsuits, but with shoulder pads. Yeah, they look like space-age workout gear. Yes, yes. They look like they're going to hop into a Jane Fonda aerobics in space video. Oh, yes. Oh, and speaking of the Balerians, Mm -hmm. we get this computer voice that's happening that's like the computer (laughs) announcement, which is clearly just somebody's voice trying to sound like a computer. Yes, Which is definitely not even kind of the first time we've had this happen in a movie. No. This one's special. Um, Let's give a little clip of the announcement of the Balerians coming. Okay. Here you go. Attention. Prepare for shuttle Lancer landing. Lancer to Southern Sun. Located rescue beacon and survivors. They are all female and identify themselves as Balerians. We have initiated landing procedures and are returning to base. Okay, so... You know, we should probably... It's been three minutes. We should probably get to a space battle, don't you think? Yes. Yes, please. So many space battles. So we have the returning Viper crew, which is completely meaningless to us. Who are the Viper crew? Where have they been? Who knows? Who cares? Because they are suddenly under attack from space pirates. (laughs) Do you like this movie more or less than Alien Seed? More. Okay. More for sure. Yeah. Okay. Alien Seed is too much... Too much. I feel like the plots are equally as confusing. No. You think Alien Seed's more cohesive? No, I think this is more cohesive. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's a space mutiny. That's truly all you need to know. That's <laughs> yes, all there is. It's true. You're it's right. It's true. You hit it right on the head. It's, so, when doubting what's happening in this, just go back to it looks mm-hmm. like somebody is trying to take over the spaceship. Yep, easy peasy. And then, <laughs> so this is where we learn. We go to Commander Calgon. Who is the leader of the space mutiny. And he is, he's like done with being 13 generations into a 10 light year uh, space cruise. Yeah. And do you remember that one scene when the, his second in command comes up and he says, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so they're, they start their space mutiny. They've been waiting. They're ready to go. And one of these planes has somebody named Professor Spooner on it, which is apparently really exciting to several people on board. <laughs> Nobody knows why. It doesn't matter. Don't get attached to Professor Spooner. Because his spaceship kind of crash lands and explodes. He dies in it. But the pilot magically oh yeah he ejects he it's like some space sparkles and he <laughs> is out of the plane but everybody else is dead the beam me up effect that where he like particleizes it's straight up space sparkles it is amazing yeah i this is still at the beginning of the film 
I knew we were all in on this one. Oh, for sure. Because this is, oh, we should tell, we didn't even mention it. This is a first time watch for both of us. Yes, absolutely. If you can't tell by our unbridled enthusiasm, (laughs) (laughs) because we were very excited. It was, yeah, it was uh, very thrilling to watch. Yes, this is where we also meet the Balerians in person. We get to see what they look like. They're rude, straight up. They are kind of rude, but they look cool. Well, they're wearing cloaks. They're like in, like hooded like druids in a <laughs> tight cluster. And yes. they basically are like, um, this will be fine. They're in a black room. Go away. And the Balerians had crash landed like they needed somewhere to dock. They're, yes. They don't have a planet from which they had come. They just were in distress and this ship is giving them a temporary home. Yeah, there's... Not really a lot of explanation here. Don't look for it. You don't need it. <laughs> but yet, according to you, this is a very cohesive script. It's not cohesive. It's just, it's a space mutiny. That's all you need to know. Did also, you know there was another title? What? So I follow an account on Instagram mm-hmm. called AIP in the USA because it is seriously the coolest collection of aip Mm -hmm. films ever (laughs) like this you know how i am with trick-or-treat stuff yes he's that way with aip it's just like every release every promo poster of every film that aip did wow i know it's really cool very so all of us aip nerds follow this person how many are there of you uh three and so (laughs) in preparation for no i'm joking he's got a lot of followers just uh, in preparation to this episode Uh uh-huh I turn to him because he is clearly the expert. Sure. I'm the scholar, but he's the expert. And I asked him, what can you tell me about space mutiny? What can he tell you? Because I normally I will find interviews and all this kind of stuff to mm-hmm. do in, in uh, like all the research prior right, to. Right, right, right. I do as much research also. Yeah, it's, it's very clear. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't find anything. So I turned to him and I said, mm-hmm. what can you tell me? We're going to be recording on this. And what I already knew, he already knew. And he said, well, I can tell you one thing, but it's Mm -hmm. not very helpful. The alternate title to Space Mutiny was called Mutiny in Space. Oh, you built that up (laughs) way too much. That was very frustrating. Coming in strong with the fun facts. (sighs) Okay, so also I really want to say... There are a lot of accents flying around on (laughs) this tiny spaceship. Yeah, there are. So, okay, we're going to suspend all of our questions about how are they fueling the spaceship for 10 light years of travel. Who cares? Why, 13 generations in, do they have different accents? (laughs) I don't know. (sighs) Come on. I don't know. Get on the same ship, guys. You know what I do really like about this film? What? The Enforcer golf cart unit that they drive around in. Okay, yes. Because this is where we get to find Enforcer 1, which is part of a fleet of Enforcer... Well, it's like their group. They're like the police. Yeah, the Enforcers. But they all cruise around in Enforcer golf carts. Go-karts. No, they're literally golf carts. That's the They look like bumper cars, though. They beefed them up to try and make them look more space-like. And that was in quotes. Yes, Okay. Enforcer 1 is awesome. It is basically a space golf cart, and I desperately want one. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine driving around our neighborhood to like pick up the mail? All day, every day. Oh my gosh. I would do it. Out in the desert, like ramp it? It's amazing. I want an Enforcer <laughs> so bad. Okay, so the mutineers are getting ready to take over the ship or their plan. They've been apparently planning for a very long time because they think we're going to take the southern sun over to this other area where we can just have a planet because we're sick of all this. Uh, Yeah, I thought about that too. It's a bit presumptuous to be like, you've never even been on a planet in your life, but you're going to land on a planet and rule it is what they presume. Well, they just want to like have a place to call home. No, they said we'll rule it. And I thought, well... Okay, that's a stretch. It's a Maybe can you should do. just try landing on a planet first. Can-do attitude. <laughs> it is a can-do attitude. I appreciate it. <laughs> but get her. But um, so all of these mutineers are ready to just go and like get off the spaceship. And honestly, like same, I would be a mutineer. Yeah, I know. I feel like we we've been traveling. 
for like one month and I'm yeah. already to do a full on space mutiny of yeah. this house. Also, why is nobody else going, well, if there's a perfectly good planet over there, let's just go there. I don't know. I mean, right? Good, good question. Okay. So they're ready to go. They have, I don't know, blown up a bunch of spaceships to get the ball rolling. <laughs> Nobody knows why. Also, this group has SS emblems. <laughs> but they're like hand cut SS. I know. It's, it's super really, weird. It's adorable. They, but they want to alter course, go to a planet. Um, but one of their, they have like an inside of informant. His name is McPherson. And he calls a meeting of the other SS enforcers. And everybody is like, let's do this. We're ready to go. We're ready to go against everybody else who's on the bridge, I guess. Mm-hmm. And except for one guy's like, this is mutiny. And <laughs> yeah, this is space mutiny. And this is mutiny. This is space mutiny. It's, he doesn't say that. No, he says it's mutiny in space. <laughs> but then McPherson uses, he's got a cane, which plays no real role. And he uses it to stab or beat. Oh, no. He, the, yeah, he pushes it through. Yeah. he. It was kind of unclear to me. It was unclear, too. I thought it was kind of like one of those um, manhole cover, uh, you know, those posts that you put down yeah, into a manhole like and then you turn it. it like a key and then you pull it up. Yeah. And I was like, what is he picking up? Yep. And then I realized, oh, that was his cane that he shoved through a man's body. Yeah, because he hadn't been using the cane up until this point. <laughs> nope. He and sure didn't. I'm going to spoil it right now because he brings it up later, but I'll forget to mention it. He's upset at the, like, supreme commander of the Southern Sun for yes. giving him a limp. And oh, that's that why, why he's, yeah. Because okay. he's like, he gave me this about his cane <laughs> at some point. I that. I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> He's mad, and I guess that's why he's ready to mutiny. And then we go and we meet Ryder. He's the guy who Sparkle appeared. Yeah, Dave Ryder. Yeah. What a name. Oh, yeah. He's going to, yeah. He's a hunk of man meat. Okay. Oh. Yeah, he's all in. You know, he is very famous for another... I feel like you're overselling this no. already. <laughs> it's a film I really have been trying to get us to cover also. What? But we haven't yet. He is Yor from Yor the Hunter from the Future. Y-O-R? Yeah, Yor. Yor. <laughs> this, I'm telling you, we have to do it. Let's do it next week. Ugh. Yes? I, I feel like I need a palate cleanser. From this? I don't know. This is the palate cleanser. Okay, so Ryder comes in. He's a space sparkle guy. He's buff, and he's arrived. That's all you need to know. Meanwhile, let's go back to the Balerians. Also, is Balerians like ballerinians? Yes. They because they kind of do ballet. They are sexy dancers. That's for they damn sure. They dance very sexy. They've all got nice abs. They're wearing like the cutout bathing suits that show off their toned abs. And they're all dancing around what would be 80s uh, it's static, the static balls, balls. Where you put your hand on the glass orb and then the like lightning shoots to your fingers. You know yes. those? That's lasted 13 generations into space. That's what they use as their power source. Or something. Is it like their oracle? Is that where they get their wisdom? Kind of. I have a a very serious question for you, though. Yeah. How do the Balerians and the scenes of the Balerians Mm -hmm. rank for you in the uh, enjoyment of this film? Very high. You know what they... Would you say, like, it's kind of the coolest part of the whole film are the Balerians? Obviously. Okay, I just wanted to hear that. Why? Are you ready for your other fun fact? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you know how both directors wanted nothing to do with this film? Yeah. After it was filmed, it was clear that it wasn't quite long enough. Oh. The Balerians are all added way in after the film was Absolutely done. Absolutely agree, because they don't move the story along in any way. Would you like to know who said, fine, I'll come in and I'll shoot all the Balerian scenes. Who? David A. Pryor. Ah! Oh! Woo! Actually, this was uh, one of three films that David Winters had done in uh, South Africa. <laughs> Would you like to know how this film was originally described? South African space opera action film. What? 
Well, anyway. Oh, you're not going to explain that any further? There is no explanation, <laughs> like anything in this film. Okay, so we go back to the Balerians. They're static electric dancing. Yes. And there's one Balerian who is... Um, she's like a mega babe. She's a special Balerian. And oh. she's also so very familiar. Yes, she is. She is the most special Balerian in the whole universe. In fact... I would say she's so special. She reminds me of Dr. Caligari. It's cool to see her without the black wig. Yeah, she's. She I mean, is she's really gorgeous. Very attractive. Yeah, she was clearly like a model. And yeah. I mean, she's, she's from she's Argentina. I think everybody in South America is supposed to be like ninety percent beautiful. This was filmed first, and then she followed this up with Dr. Caligari. Sure. Cool. Wow, what a treat! Good for you, lady. Yeah. Um, then we go back to Ryder. He has come up to the bridge, mm-hmm. which they keep just describing it as the bridge. Uh, and he's kind of giving an update to the, like, ship's supreme commander. And he's also here introduced to the supreme commander's daughter. Yes, well, the supreme commander's name is Alex Jansen. And his daughter is named Leah. Okay, we yeah, need well, to... Alex Jansen's, like... Uh... Big time actor. He was like their name coming in. Yeah, they put it pretty prominent. Yes. This is Cameron Mitchell. He's been in anything and everything you've ever seen. And I love more than anything, his fake beard in this is pretty phenomenal. It's special. (laughs) It's It's special. He looks like he's uh, a bad villain on a Superman movie. But also kind of like he's supposed to be sort of an elder elf giving advice to Frodo. Yeah, or he's like in The Clash of the Titans as one of the like (laughs) Greek gods. Doesn't he kind of have that look? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, So he is like giving Ryder or they're like having an update on whatever happened. Nobody really knows. And then there's Leah and... Oh yeah, Leah. <sighs> okay, he the her dad uh, says, "Stay out of it, young lady." Yeah, and then you and I both like whipped our heads at each other, and we're like, "Young lady, what?" Because we both thought she was like at least fifty-two. Easily, her name's Sissy Cameron. She was in like Porky's Two and stuff like that. Yes, but I yeah. We both thought, "Why is she playing the daughter when they're clearly the same age?" So we did the math. We looked up their dates on IMDb, and she was only 34, probably 33, when this was actually shot. I could not, the entire film, could not believe that she was in her 30s. Okay, so I gave this a a great deal of thought when I shouldn't have. I need to cut in, though, and make it clear, we're not shaming her on her looks. She's very attractive. Here's what it is. Okay. I gave it some thought. So we later see, like, all, all of her. She's obviously young, but what has gone wrong here, and this is where we were led astray, is the hair and makeup. So It's old lady. It's like dynasty hair. Exactly. So we associate it with being old lady, but I think at the time it was kind of cutting edge. But the other thing is... (laughs) Cutting edge? I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I'm going to say that. Just just accept what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Cutting edge hairdo. So it's like... You know how very old women are losing their hair and so they just frizz it out? Uh-huh. And it's like a, a halo of an, a, an idea of what you want your hair to be, So, but it's really thin. They've over-teased her hair to do that, and they also gave her makeup that we now see older women doing in an attempt to look younger. So I think we're looking at it with 21st century eyes, but I think at the time she probably looked appropriate. I gave this some thought, too, because I couldn't stop thinking about it through the whole movie. It was unsettling. It was. It was just really jarring. And here's what I thought. Okay. I came to the conclusion that she reminded me of, and for the same reasons... Please tell me it's... Okay, go ahead. I'm going to say Catherine Martell. Yes! Yes! That's exactly who I thought. Okay, Piper Laurie, Twin Peaks, because... (laughs) I... When I... Like, when we first grew up on Twin Peaks, I thought... Catherine Martell was such an old lady, only to find out she wasn't. And she's actually really pretty. And when you see her not in the Catherine Martell hair and makeup, yep. I'm like, she looks 30 years younger. 
Why did they make her look like that? She looks like Catherine Martell. I 100% agree, and I kept thinking that, and I didn't want to say it to you. That's so funny that you reached the same conclusion. Okay, well, because that's what we're dealing with. So we're looking at a sexy-bodied Catherine Martell. Okay. And obviously, Ryder becomes instantly smitten with her. Let's skip ahead. People on board begin to, like the staff or whatever, they begin inventorying the explosives like you do. And the guy calls the bridge again, back to the bridge. And he reports that they've narrowed it down to one person. They know who it is who has stolen explosives, but he can't say over the phone. And the uh, lieutenant is like, get up here. You got to tell me in person. And he's intercepted along the way and he's shoved off of like a walkway like some scaffolding he is shoved off by who i can't even remember his name i just it's called calgon him, oh i called him sideburns mcgee it's calgon take him away sideburns mcgee loves laughing he laughs yes. non-stop <laughs> you should do it oh i'm doing it here okay. you go <laughs> <laughs> i loved hearing him laugh the entire time he does it every time he does something can evil. we also we have to discuss the set this ship is clearly just a giant warehouse. Yeah. And oh, yeah. There's like daylight coming in. Uh, yes. I even read up because I was like, why is there daylight coming in yes. when they're floating through space? And then I read up that in some scenes, I didn't catch it until because I didn't read this till after. You can actually see like the sky in the background. <laughs> what had happened is, yes, they're just shooting in a factory. Mm-hmm. And these huge factory windows are just bringing in normal daylight. Mm-hmm. The cinematographer, though, realized that problem and said, well, what we'll do is we'll put these filters to give it all kind of an orange glow. Okay. And it'll make it seem like you're traveling by the sun. But what ended up happening is so they had solved the problem of having broad daylight. Then they sent the footage off to the film lab. Mm -hmm. And the film lab didn't know that that was the reasoning. They fixed it. And they corrected it back to the normal lighting. So then all you get is a bunch of people in spacesuits running around in a factory in daylight. So, okay. (laughs) Fabulous. Of course. So amazing. So let's skip ahead. We're at a dance club. Oh, boy, are we. And we get the sexiest hula hoop scene we've ever seen. Apparently in the future, in space, they brought a bunch of hula hoops or else they have a hula hoop manufacturer on (laughs) board. I'm not sure. It's very trendy in the future. But they're going to dance with their hula hoops. And this is where you and I were both like, what, what, what? Because Catherine Martell, also known as Leah, is super sexily dancing like she's oh, using yeah. the hula hoop to rub on her butt like but she's like using the hula hoop to lift up lift her, her skirt, skirt. It, it's so it's it was very unnerving but Ryder is like oh hello yeah that's when he's like hey 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 we hula hoop on this ship he's so buff but he's got one of those baby faces from like yeah. the 1940s Good he looks like he should only be cast in world war ii movies yeah as like the quintessential american soldier yes so anyway she's seducing him with her hula hoop and then um there's a woman on uh the lieutenant she was on the bridge (laughs) the one with the the special perm she's taken off but leah and Ryder are talking they're like let's follow this is weird it looks (laughs) like she's being arrested let's just you know, see what's happening. And they come upon the fact that uh, Lieutenant Lamonte is being, or Lamont, is being killed. Yes. For no reason. She's shot with a laser. There are really cool laser blasts in this movie. They change colors. They don't do anything, (laughs) but they somehow kill people. They also light people on fire, which I love. (laughs) (sighs) They're... They do whatever you want them to do. We Yes, we'll talk about the laser blast in a second. But yes, L- Lieutenant Lamont is killed by a laser beam by the bad guys. And then we get what can only be described as an Austin Powers getaway. Yes. It is hilarious. So the bad guys jump in Enforcer 1, our favorite golf cart. Yes. And laugh as they take off at probably 1.2 miles per hour. You could casually stroll and keep up with them. And as Yor is looking on, he's like, what are we going to do? And he can't run no. one mile per hour to catch them as they he's are got all those muscles slowly to driving around, getting making their getaway. 
So he jumps in Enforcer 7. Yes. Oh, yes. Very important that we note he is, in fact, in Enforcer 7 with Leah. Yes. And they take off and we get this epic golf cart, space age golf cart laser blast chase scene. (laughs) If you're going to watch this movie, watch it for this. This is worth its weight in gold. Yes. It is amazing because Leah pulls out a laser bazooka, (laughs) which just basically shoots fire and then is a superimposed laser that shoots at things. But it also explodes behind whatever she shot it at. And, and the then it baz- shoots them forward. <laughs> and the bazooka looks like PVC pipe. Yes. It is In fact, amazing. PVC pipe. I loved everything about this laser scene. It was beautiful. Like, this battle sequence was incredible. You know what we should do? We're yes. in quarantine. We should make PVC pipe like ray guns and shoot them with our kids. We should make a little short film, a space age short film. <gasps> we should. They let's would do love it. it. Okay, let's do that. Actually, I had a good thought. We could do a post-apocalyptic film out in the desert. Absolutely. Let's do it. I mean, we should. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Done. Done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Okay. So we need to talk. This space chase goes on for a very long time. Is this one in the Enforcer reveals oh yeah they do they whip around real quick and yeah. it's it's like a u-turn enforcer seven is now turned into an enforcer four yes and then quickly back to enforcer seven and this is when we learn there's a lot of editing errors in this movie and if you want to watch this and like have eagle eyes this is a treasure trove of mistakes and this keep in mind the whole golf cart chase laser scene Happened because Lieutenant Lamont was just blasted with a laser, (laughs) dead on the ground. And right after the laser scene, we go back to the bridge. And as they're walking by, I was like baffled. And we rewound it three or four times because sitting at the computer working happily is Lieutenant Lamont alive and well. She's just fine. Don't worry about her. She was not shot to death. Nobody caught this in the editing. They just took other footage from earlier in the script. I love so much that she is just alive sitting there in the scene right after literally the scene right before she was killed. It's special. Okay. Okay. um, Also, Leah and Ryder end up down... They're looking for the Enforcer crew, and they find a super old man in the deep freeze. (laughs) So he's like an old, confused man, (laughs) and he's there with... He's there with a bunch of bodies hanging on hooks. Okay. This is... I was so confused because all the bodies are on hooks and they're breathing really hard. Yes, because... And I was like, what are they doing? Are they just about to be tortured? Okay. So, let me explain this. Okay. It's a bunch of bodies. They're supposed to look as though they're frozen, but in fact, they've been covered in plastic wrap. Yes, they're just wrapped in saran wrap. So... All of these actors who were alive, they didn't get dummies or, like, model bodies to dangle. They've got humans pretending to be on hooks and frozen, but they're wrapped in saran wrap, so they're breathing so, so hard, (laughs) hanging in the background. But they're supposed to be dead. And the old man explains that the enforcer and Calgon, like, Calgon wants to, or when he captures somebody... He tortures them, and he if he thinks they might be for like useful later, he'll f- put them in the deep freeze. Otherwise, he shoots their body into space. Yeah, Calgon takes them away. Okay, so this is where <laughs> Ryder and Leah begin to discover the plot, and then we have more more chasing. And well, this is where the lasers change from red to green for no reason whatsoever. Absolutely, and then there's like a bundle of. Like tanks of methane gas labeled like danger methane gas. And so, <laughs> yeah, we saw that one coming a mile away. Ryder's like, oh, and he shoots it and they make their escape. And then, you know, let's just go check in on the Balerians. What are they doing? They're, oh, they are amazing. I'm so happy to go back to this. They're, they're dancing around their static balls. They are described <laughs> as non planet based practitioners of magic. <laughs> That's. <laughs> and their leader has a name. Her name is Janera. Oh, Janera is Dr. Caligari, which it's, is really cool because we just did Dr. Caligari last yeah. week. So go back and listen. But man, she's 
cooler than hell in this role. Although it's not her film or not her voice. It's a voiceover because she just looks sexy and does cool moves. Yeah. While somebody else does voicing. It's it's special. I'm just so happy that all of my favorite scenes in this movie were done by David A. Pryor. I'm just saying. So Janera, the lead Balerian, speaks to the supreme commander of the ship. But I think it's like a dream speak. I don't know. I don't anyway. know, but I found out this is the only scene in the whole movie where any of the cast members interact with the Balerians, and it's just the main leader. Well, no, because the Balerians also interact with some of the, like, crew. No, but I mean, like, of the main Because ca- you can tell that the crew was brought in as, like, okay, secondary. Yeah. So she speaks to the commander about how his people have fallen into darkness and she touches him with glowing red hands and shares with him the way to truth (laughs) this is a really cool scene yep and then dave's promoted to flight commander or something like that for no reason why was he promoted because stuff and reasons Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. And then immediately has sex with Leah. <laughs> yeah. The the um, uh, the commander's like, uh, Calgon's bad, and Ryder's the commander. Bye. Yeah. Also, they're headed towards, I mean, think about where we're in. They're headed toward Corona Borealis. Yeah. What? Corona? Yeah. I know it just means crown, but. No, no, we, we planned it. Coronavirus, whatever. That's what it was actually called. <laughs> and we go back to the Balerians, which mm-hmm. I was very happy about. And we get a lot of interpretive dance. And then, so they're interpretive dancing. All of those gyrations have shot into the minds of the staff of the... Oh, boy, of have the, they. Of the, what is it, Southern Sun. And they've called two random guys. But one of them has a French braid. He's very long hair and a very beautiful French braid. It's so nicely done. He did not do that himself. No, but he's instantly seduced by the Balerians. Can't blame him. And But the Balerians mean no harm, and suddenly these dudes are unconscious. I don't know why. Well, they were, like, uh, gyrated to death. They're not dead, though. They get up. Right. Some other dudes... Near death. Other guys <laughs> come in, and they're like, what? It doesn't even make sense. There's no reason... Like, there's truly no purpose to this scene at all. There's no purpose to any scenes. I don't even know what's happening (laughs) half this time. Dear listeners, Eric was laughing so hard and talking so much as we watched this that I had to keep shushing him so that I could follow the plot. And you were like, why are you shushing me? And I was like, well, one of us has to know what's happening. You were librarying me. And I was like, (laughs) you're really that concerned about this plot. Of no, space mutiny. no, but I had to have the loosest of grasps. Yeah, let me fill you in. There's a mutiny in space. That's the <laughs> plot. <laughs> so then um, a pirate ship outside of the southern sun, which is maybe linked to the mutineers on the ship, demand that they surrender. Oh, yeah, because that's when we get this quote. This is the Alpheca pirate fleet. To those on board the southern sun, listen carefully. You have entered the Alpha Delta restricted zone. We have claim on this section of space. Surrender immediately or be blown into astro dust. Which is an amazing quote. And I was very excited to have that. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after we go to Leah is abducted. Calgon captures Leah. <laughs> and wants to laser blast her teeth. He, what? Okay. What? What? okay. For the record, for those of you that listened... We did that Rush to Die episode, which was an April Fool's joke. Mm -hmm. I feel like this sounds more made up than our Rush to Die episode. It does. The whole time I'm talking about this, I'm thinking people are probably going to think we're making this up. (laughs) We're not. We are not. This actually happened. You can look it up on IMDb. I just looked up and found myself seeing Leah strapped to a table with a laser blasting her teeth and everybody laughing. And I was like, what is even happening right now? Yes. So um, Calgon's captured her. He tells her father he has 12 hours, which is kind of random. Like, why so much time? Um, Or she's going to be shot into space. And meanwhile, he's going to use high-intensity probing lasers to her teeth? I Why? Why? I feel like I missed something. No, you did not. Because I was actually watching all of this movie. You did not miss anything. And 
They start to use the laser, and if you watch it, her body doesn't react in pain in any way. She's just, like, laying there very inert on this (laughs) gurney in her high-waisted, like, aerobic gear. Yeah. Whatever. She's fine, I guess. And Ryder's decided he's going to go after his woman uh, because he wants uh, seconds on that sweet, sweet hula hoop booty. Boy, does he. (laughs) And then they start to make an escape because he's going to bust him out. And this is where we get the tail end of our movie, which is one long, drawn-out escape sequence. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it goes on for a long time. This is classic AIP, where you basically run out of time, mm-hmm. and you say, let's just do, like, a battle or a chase scene for a long time. And they do. Um, so Ryder comes for Leah. Meanwhile, Leah frees herself. She seduces some yokel who <laughs> I like is using scene. an actual, like, dial-a-phone to like report which i loved he's like beep boop beep and he gives an update and leo's like hey come here yeah chubby man <laughs> i liked too all the accents one of them even had a, a southern accent oh, Holmes yeah. like well you know yeah i gotta come report for duty <laughs> i'm from the southern part of the southern sun <laughs> i've been up here with everybody else for 13 centuries <laughs> So, anyway, she seduces her way out of the situation. She overpowers him and then steals his clothes. And this is a overweight man, but they fit her in quite a sexy Not way. Not the only time that clothes that are being stolen fit the person stealing them perfectly. Yep, no big deal. And also the main mutiny guy, uh, not Calgon, but the other dude, mm-hmm. he is running around now. That's McPherson. He's running around like insane with his cane. Yep. Laser blasting everybody. You gotta. He's gone off the deep end. It's full mutiny now. He is. He, it is full mutiny. They kind of reconvene and Ryder is like, it's just going to be me, guys. I got a plan. But his basic plan is to go out there, take care of business and hope with all hope that all of the laser blasts miss him. And his plan works. Yeah. Every laser shot at him misses, and he is victorious. I like how in AIP films, they notoriously will shoot off like 5,000 rounds and hit nobody. Mm -hmm. Even in the future, you can shoot lasers constantly and not hit anybody. Although the ones that are hit in this film give really great death sequences. There are a lot of over the rails falling. Every single death is somebody screaming "Ah!" as they fall over the rails because they're shot with a laser. And then they light on fire. Speaking of which, you know who lights on fire at the end? They catch up with McPherson and we get this showdown. Mm -hmm. But then uh, they light him. Do they shoot him with a laser? I don't remember how he catches on fire. But he's running around with a flame. A suit on? Yes. Oh, it's because really cool. Ryder got a flamethrower. Okay, that's what Somewhere. happened. I... Also, why is there so much fire in a spaceship? I'd be very concerned about the use of oxygen. I feel like if you missed one shot with a laser, it would go right through the hall and you'd instantly blow up the spaceship. Everybody would be sucked out it's through crazy. that It's crazy. Whatever. It's like using torpedoes on the Titanic. Like, why would you do that? But whatever. They're... They're uh, living on the edge. Meanwhile, we should say it keeps cutting to shots of the Balerians sexily dancing. Yes. Doing nothing for Thank nobody. You. Thank you, David. Besides being lovely. Oh, we should also <laughs> mention right before this, Ryder tells Leah that he really wishes her dad could control her. Oh, yeah. Nice if, guy. No, he says if, if her dad could control her like he can control the ship. She wouldn't have gotten into so much trouble. That's real nice. Nice. That's real nice. And made me instantly hate Ryder. <laughs> I hoped he would blow up. Well, he doesn't blow up, but you know what does happen. Oh, yeah. This scene was amazing. So it's an epic bumper car chase scene. Yes. With Calgon. Two enforcer carts running around at like two miles per hour. Yep. Max speed. And then... Uh, your shouts really loud. You're being Ryder. Yes. Jumps really slow off of his cart. Yep. It lightly bumps into Calgon's <sighs> cart. 
and we get the biggest explosion in human history. Yes. It's okay. like an atomic bomb went off when those two golf carts hit. Okay, so... It is... Let's pause. <laughs> it was so happy. He jumps off of a moving, very slowly, go-kart, which in reality went boom, like just a little eh, into the side of another one. But instead, it makes an, a massive explosion, does not blow up the spaceship. Well, no. It doesn't it's fine. At all. No big deal. It's just when we say big explosion for two golf carts, I don't even know. It's I don't like, think you get it. It's like two golf carts that are carrying like ten <laughs> gallons of gas. Nope, ten thousand gallons of gas. Better. Ten bajillion gallons there of gas. There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's huge, but. Whatever. Then we go to, um, I guess they think they've succeeded. It is a making out in the garden scene of Ryder and Leah. And we could not end without the greatest finale. The cliffhanger sequel bait. Calgon did not die in that epic blast, but is instead sitting up and opens his eyes at the end. Kind of burned. Kind of burned, ready to go. That is the end of the movie. And the first first question I had, what was the point of the Balerians? There wasn't a point besides eye candy. I will say without the Balerians, I would like this movie 30% less. Yeah, because every time your attention would begin to wane... There would be a gyrating Balerian touching a static ball. I was so excited. (laughs) It was awesome. Yeah. The Valerian intercut was probably one of the most genius suggestions. Whoever decided, hey, you know what we should do? Add Mm -hmm. totally different characters into this film to draw it out. Let's make them like sexy um, magic aliens. Yeah, they're kind of witches. I, I guess. Boy. Maybe? Space mutiny rules. That's all I have to say. Just do it. This movie is so good. It's so good. Good in the baddest way. We have a VHS copy. that yep. We have the AIP VHS. But it is streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Well, well, well. And there is no reason for you to not pass an hour and a half of pure bliss on this film. <laughs> Because you will thank us later. Pure bliss. I also really want to watch the Mystery Science Theater episode now. Yeah, I would definitely rewatch it. I definitely want to watch it. I've heard it's very good. We still haven't even seen the Mystery Science Theater version of uh, Zombie Nightmare. (sighs) There's just just so much much to do. I know. Okay, well, that is Space Mutiny. Enjoy, friends. Wow. I am so glad we watched it. Okay, well, takeaway from this film is... This is not the worst sci-fi movie in history. No, 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 no. I actually think this may be one of the best sci-fi movies in history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you are not a huge sci-fi fan, this is the sci-fi movie for you. That's what (laughs) I think. If you're not a fan of anything... This is the movie for you. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say? What? Laser Graves approved. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not... No doubt about it. Five stars. 52 stars. I think everybody should watch it. Yep. I think that when you're feeling depressed, you should watch Space Mutiny. If you are feeling like you might be a jerk, watch this movie. If you need to see sexy alien witchcraft, watch this movie. If you feel like you need to get a Slurpee at 7-Eleven, watch this movie. Do it. Do it. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Yeah. Uh, if you like what you heard, go ahead and rate, review, subscribe. Uh-huh. Tell your friends. Do it, please. Please, thank you for everybody who has been supporting us. Yes. And we are on Instagram at Lasergraves. Mm-hmm. Follow us. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like this episode was about as um, coherent as Space Mutiny. It's... So you're welcome. Yep. Next week, Golden Child. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.